baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There's no offseason here. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from Sully Baseball Studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl here on the 21st day of February 2018. Hey, you know, the nightmare that has been this offseason of players not signing is starting to thaw out a little bit. You're starting to see some of the players sign on with teams. Uh, the Eric Hosmer, I talked about this, uh, that he was still out there, and I've been saying that... Hello, baseball fans. Welcome to Sully Baseball. This is the podcast where we talk about baseball 52 weeks out of the year. There is no off season, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this on the 22nd day of February 2018 from Sully Baseball Studio in Pasadena, California, overlooking the historic Rose Bowl. I'm pacing today. I'm not sitting down. I'm pacing. I'm pacing right now because two things. First of all, I'm trying to work out the kinks on my makeshift video studio that I'm making in my home. I'm going to start doing uh, Patreon video episodes pretty soon. I want them to look good. I want them to sound good. And the first batch that I did didn't sound as good as I had hoped. So I'm making them sound a little better. If if I'm asking you to shell out a little bit of money each month for additional content, I want to make sure that additional content is worth your time. That's what I'm doing this Patreon page. And I was working on it for the last few weeks and I wasn't happy with the initial results. And I feel the first few are very important to have them be like the crisp, they sound good. They look good. I think they looked good. They didn't sound as good as I'd want. So I'm trying to make some adjustments. And so what I'm basically doing is when I launch this, and I'm going to try to launch it by opening day, is to be able to say, hey, if you like Sully Baseball, you're going to be able to, if you want to contribute to the Patreon account, again, they'll, if you don't want to, I'll still do at least one podcast a week on the free feed. Don't worry. You know, you don't not requiring you to pay but if you want to and if you've been a fan of the show and you want to contribute this way you can get an additional uh video podcast uh every week and you know more uh more content from me and that's you know eventually what i would love to do if i build the patreon enough is to bring back the daily podcast for people who are Patreon subscribers, and if you're not, you get the weekly one. That's what I'm building up to, but I'm not there yet. Uh, and once I get there, well, then some of you flow down the river slowly on a daily basis, and some of you go by a weekly basis, and that will be that. So I'm working on that. Now, let me tell you something you're never going to hear me do. I'm not going to tell you how to make country music better. I'm not. I'm not going to say, here's the problem with the country music scene, and here's how to fix it. I'm not going to say, hey, I know what's wrong with hip-hop right now, and so here's how we can fix hip-hop. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to say, hey, here's how you make green peas better in recipes. No, I'm not going to do that. Do you know why? Because I'm not a fan of country music. I'm not a fan of hip-hop. And I hate green peas. So if I'm giving my opinions 
on how to fix those things. I'm coming from a point where I am not a fan of them. So whatever improvements that I'm offering to make are not based upon me enjoying them in the first place. You can see why that would be problematic. The core of it is I'm not a fan. So here's how I'd want to make them a little bit different so I can make it more palatable. The reason I'm bringing that up is I'm seeing a lot of things talking about how to fix baseball. And a lot of them are coming from people who find baseball boring and don't seem to like it. So this is how they would want to change it. In other words, I don't like this, so here's how I'd make it better. Well, you already don't like it. The pace of play rules I keep hearing about, they're pace of play rules already in effect. And, you know, don't limit this, limit that. It'll shave a minute or two over here, a minute or two over there. If you already find it boring, are you going to find a three-hour and ten-minute game more exciting than a three-hour and sixteen-minute game? You shave six minutes off the game. Oh, now it's lightning fast. If you already want it to be something else, then you're already coming from a point that you don't like the product as it is. You don't like the product to begin with. I heard someone make the suggestion, well, maybe, what happened? I mean, Manfred even floated this. So the idea of like, well, what if we, in the ninth inning, if your team is losing, you can bring whoever you want up for a shot to get a big home run. I heard some people were like football commentators saying things. Yeah, can you imagine? You know, you're, the game's on the line. You're not allowed to use Tom Brady. That's craziness. Then watch football. That's what happens in baseball. And sometimes it can lead to dramatic things. Who would say, hey, the game's on the line. Put Francisco Cabrera at the plate. Put Bucky Dent at the plate. Put Bill Miller over Big Poppy and Manny Ramirez at the plate. It's craziness. You play the game. The game works. There are fans. It makes money. The attendance has never been higher. TV revenue has never been higher. People like it. If you, want to ch- if you want to enforce the rules of the play in terms of pace of play, fine, the rules are already in place. I'm actually not against the pitching clock for this reason. If you know, okay, the pitchers have got X amount of time to get the set and wind up and everything like that, if you want to have as many mound visits as you want, as long as you get it within that 30 seconds between pitches. But the length of the game isn't the issue. The pace isn't the issue. As we keep hearing about people who hate something. It sucks. It's boring. I don't like it. You know, I've made this analogy before. And I'll update it a little bit. What happens when something becomes super popular is these days you cater to the people who already like it. What used to happen... Like, let's take the movie industry. I've made this analogy. I'm going to slightly tweak it for the last few years. So you see that I'm, it's, it keeps updating. They used to make movies, even if they're based on popular franchises and everything. 
with a mentality of, well, the fans are going to go see it anyway. So let's tweak it and tweak it so we can get more people than just the core fans to come see it. And that's how you got things like a Batman film where you had nipples on the bat suit and rock and roll music and everything like that. And eventually you had something which say, hey, it's going to meet this demographic and that demographic. And we're, this group is going to love it and that group is going to love it. And these toys are going to be there. And 18 to 31 are going to love it here. And they focus grouped at this and they, they ignored what the fans wanted and what they liked about it because they took them for granted. They tried to please everybody else. They tried to please all the people who don't give a crap about Batman. And they discovered over the years that if you cater and you create something that the fans wanted, that their enthusiasm for the product would create a snowball effect. That they would love it and people would see how enthusiastic they are and they would want to be a part of it. It has nothing to do with the pace of the film. It has nothing to do with how fast-moving it is. It had to do with, hey, all these fans love it. Don't you want to be part of this love fest? That's what it is. It's exactly what it is. And you're seeing the movie industry is basically based on that right now. They started making like a Batman film, for example, that was faithful to the comics, that was dark, that was you know, that had that sinister feel of the Frank Miller movies and everything like that. And do you know what? They're not all lightning packed. You know, they're not paced super fast. They have these great action scenes, but they have these long stretches of dialogue and talking and character and building up. The kind of stuff you go like, oh man, uh, will people sit and watch this? Will people sit and watch this? Yeah. Like The Dark Knight became the biggest movie of, it was one of the biggest hits of the decade. Because they catered to what the fans wanted, the diehard fans. And people saw the enthusiasm and built up for it. You want to talk about pace of play? The Lord of the Rings films. My God, I'm not convinced the return of the king is over. I think I made that same joke back in 2012. And I'm still not convinced it's over. You want to talk about pace of play? Jeez, some scenes of that are like just a couple of hobbits drinking ale and dancing. And some of it is just Viggo Mortensen looking out into the woods and going, we're about to encounter the hills of Spotador and the mines of Bladabor. The two towers had a whole scene where two of the hobbits were watching for a bunch of walking trees having a, a huddle. And the whole joke was how slow they were moving. These are not exactly lightning-fast films. And yet, they all were gigantic Mongo blockbusters. People couldn't wait to go see them. You take a look at the last bunch of years you've had, oh, you know, all these comic book films. Well, what are the ones that have really resonated? You had a film like Wonder Woman. A lot of Wonder Woman's really slow. There's a lot of walking around, talking with Steve Trevor, sitting in a cafe in France in that film. She doesn't show up as Wonder Woman until like the, 
and we're halfway through the movie. And you what? That film's two and a half hours long. And it was a runaway blockbuster. Beloved blockbuster. What happened just this last weekend? Black Panther. Black Panther outgrossed the Justice League in four days. It is an obscure comic book character. And I'm sorry, you know, Chadwick Boseman, fine actor, played Jackie Robinson, 42. But, you know, not exactly, uh, you know, box office gold. And yet, they're going to be printing money for a film where a lot of the film is walking around this fictitious African country and a giant chunk of it is smelling flowers, looking at ancestors, and having discussions with other tribes. There's giant chunks of that film where it's just the sister and Lupita Nyong'o and Black Panther. Yes, now we're in this part of our town. Pace of play. And yet, people showed up dressed as the characters. It's going to make so much money. It already has. And it beat out, as I said, Justice League. That had Batman, Superman, Wonder Woman, Aquaman. But people didn't care for that. Because it felt like it was... Not sure what it was doing. Was it please, trying to please the fans? Was it trying to reach out to other fans? The tone of it was all over the place. It just didn't feel right. Now, why am I talking about these movies? Why am I talking about the, the, the Harry Potter, Lord of the Rings films from the early 2000s, which just all of them just were Mongo, runaway blockbusters, and pace of play, a lot of... Harry Potter is, you know, kids in scarves in class. You know, the Twilight films. Big chunk of those movies were just pretty people looking at each other in the woods. Pace of play. Long movies. My God, the Lord of the Rings films were all long. The Harry Potter films were all long. The Dark Knight was about two and a half hours long. You know, I mean, the, the Black Panther was well over two hours long. People sit for a long movie. And long movies that aren't always action scenes. Because people want to be part of the experience. People see the enthusiasm of the fans and they want to be part of that community. You see that when you're, there's like a popular show on Netflix, for example, like something like, like Stranger Things, when that came out. Everyone wanted to see it and be part of it and be part of that community and be part of that experience. And they do video, they post videos online of them reacting to episodes and trailers and moments and their thoughts because it's something that connects us. I want to be part of that. These people are liking it. Our, people talk about how fragmented our society has been, but we have these things that connect us, that we all want to 
be part of this. And part of it is we see how the fans are lining up and they love it and they feel a sense of community about it. They feel a sense of connectedness about it. So we want to be part of that too. We want to lock hands and enjoy the Walking Dead, Game of Thrones, Stranger Things, Lesser Things, you know, uh, Making a Murderer, you know, Serial, Black Panther. The idea of wanting to go to a movie in the opening weekend is not so much about I want to see it before everyone else's. I want to experience the viewing of this film with people dressed in costume, with the people applauding all the time. I've seen big blockbuster films on opening weekend when people are going bananas. And I've seen those same blockbuster films in empty theaters, and it's a much different experience. If it's truly great, something like Mad Max Fury Road, then in the end it doesn't matter. You know, I could see Mad Max Fury Road alone on my phone and I'm still jumping up and down because it's such an amazing movie. But that's neither here nor there. We crave that. And I mean we, I mean humanity. We're social creatures. We survive. We're at this point in humanity because of we're a, we are animals who are socially connected to each other. The tribes that made it were the ones that held each other's hands and said, we're going to go through this together. We all going to agree. We're not going to steal our stuff. We're going to protect each other in war and we're going to look after each other. Because the tribes who didn't do that didn't survive. So that's, that is innate in our nature. Whether you, want to, whether you think it is social, whether you think it's God-given or whatever, we crave that. Absolutely, we crave that. That's why it's fun to watch a game in a bar or with friends as opposed to sitting alone in your home. That's why when the Astros won the World Series last year or when the Cleveland Cavaliers won the NBA playoffs a few years ago, they cut to their arenas or their stadium. The, the Quicken Loans Arena in Cleveland was packed I almost call it Enron Field, whatever, the Astros State, whatever the hell it's called now, was packed because they wanted to be and have that communal experience together. Essentially, all those people filled the stadium in Houston to watch the fucking television. But they were there together. They wanted to experience, they wanted to cheer together and have that feeling together, that sense of being part of an event that connects humanity is what made Black Panther such a big hit this weekend. Is what made people want to see Wonder Woman over and over again. Whether or not you loved Wonder Woman or not as a movie, I thought it was a very flawed movie, but a lot of people wanted to have that experience. And you saw the people who were super passionate about it. You saw young girls who wanted to see a superhero film starring a woman and have it be fun, exciting, and everything you want, you got that enthusiasm behind it, and you saw other people wanting to latch onto that enthusiasm. You saw 
the enthusiasm for not just an African-American hero, but an African adventure of, of that is just this completely new cinematic experience that Black Panther was, but still being something palatable. It's a superhero action film, but set in an environment with characters that people hadn't seen before. And of which it wasn't about you know victimhood or oppression, but it was about excellence and it was about being powerful and strong. And you saw the way people reacted to that and it drew me in. It draws me in like a celestial object drawing things into its orbit. That people want to be a part of that. They do. And the fact that baseball doesn't understand what it already has drives me crazy sometimes. Do they have fans who get dressed up? Yeah. Do they have people who will line up and want to be part of something? Yeah. Do they have people who are fanatical about it and that it means so much to them that they, it becomes infectious? Yeah. So what are you doing trying to essentially make Batman and Robin with nipples when you could be making a dark night? When you could be missing, swinging and missing like all those films from the 80s and 90s that couldn't quite get the superhero genre right or adapt great stories right. You could have Black Panther or Lord of the Rings. Instead, you're making Dune. That analogy is perfect in my head, even if it isn't in yours. You know, it was taken for granted growing up that if there was a beloved book property or something, that the movie was going to screw it up, that they were going to make tons of changes. Now it's taken for granted. It's going to be incredibly faithful because they know the people who will be leading the charge. If you have the main people... Trust me, if the Lord of the Rings was like one movie and it was kind of, you know, it had a, a, a rock and roll soundtrack on it and there was, it was a bunch of, it was the equivalent of Batman and Robin, people wouldn't sit through that for 90 minutes, let alone three three-hour movies. Baseball has so many things in its favor in terms of creating that communal experience. It has lots of games, obviously. There's too many games. No, that's part of it. You're not going to see every game be filled, but you're going to have fans who want to dress up, who want to be part of it, who want to be part of the history, who want to be part of the tradition, who want to be part of the future, who want to be part of the action. And you get them enthusiastic get their enthusiasm building up and snowballing, it can make the experience of going to the ball game as exciting as going to a movie. And you can't tell me that, that well, you know, it's only, you know, the, these movies are like one a year. No, they make, they make so many superhero films a year, you can't even keep track. You know? 
Thor, and then there's Captain America, and then there's going to be Ant-Man, and then there's going to be this, there's going to be that. These event films happen all the time, and maybe you can think about event films like a baseball season. Every other week there's an event film. Every other week there's the film that is so huge it's going to knock everyone on their ass. And all the build-up and hype... (laughs) You know, the build-up and hype, and then the film comes out, and you forgot it even came out. I can't even tell you what happened in The Last Jedi. But people show up because they want to be part of it. And they're Star Wars fans. They're Star Trek fans. They're superhero fans. There's this fan, and that fan, and all these different things. And they're baseball fans. It doesn't matter if it's a three-hour and 30-minute game or a three-hour game. If you like baseball, you're going to love it. If you don't like baseball, it won't matter to you anyway. I'm not watching the Video Music Awards because I don't follow music. I don't care if they speed up the show. I'm not watching it. But sometimes what you have to realize is you drag people in. You want to make people experience this. I've had the unique perspective that I've moved around a couple of times in my life. When I first moved to the Bay Area in the mid-1980s, their thoughts of baseball was kind of borderline indifferent. I was coming from Boston right off the 86 World Series where there was tons of interest in baseball because it's a baseball city. And then I, we moved to the Bay Area, and I remember asking a kid when we first moved to my school, I said, do people here like the A's or the Giants? Is this A's country or Giants country? And there just was a shrug. I don't know. I don't really follow it. And it kind of blew me away a little bit. But two interesting things happened. One, the Giants and the A's both became good. And you started to see the enthusiasm build in that group where they said, oh, man, This is fun following a team. And I started seeing the passion in that region for Stanford versus Cal. Because what the hell did I know about college football, save for Doug Flutie? And I was drawn into that because it was interesting to watch that build up. And so, yeah, there is a certain amount of front-running element, but like I've seen the Bay Area go from indifference to super enthusiasm of their teams. When I moved to New York, the Mets and the Yankees were terrible. And they were in, people were indifferent. But then when they both got good, people realized, hey, this is pretty amazing, getting hooked on baseball. And then here in L.A., you know, when they went to the World Series this year, I got to see firsthand a bunch of people go like, man, this is a lot of fun. Like they're rediscovering something. Baseball needs to know that what was happening this weekend with Black Panther, what happened the last fall with Wonder Woman, are all things that they can replicate. Maybe not with the enthusiasm as opening day weekend, but certainly at points of the, of the year, and certainly as a way to have people say, hey, I'm part of this communal experience. We're all fractured in so many ways in our lives and everything, and our, and our entertainment is fractured all over the place. And so, can, and and 
you know, it's so specialized. And in many ways, that's a wonderful thing. You could follow what you like. You could do what you like. But it's still fun to be part of something larger than yourself. And when I saw the crowd at Black Panther and I saw the reaction, I kept thinking, why doesn't baseball understand they already have this? They have this in so many ways. If they can learn to not cater to the people who want to change it, but to introduce it to other people and say, hey, hey, don't try to put feathers on this fish. Don't try to put a hat on this. It is great. And if you want to enjoy it, let's enjoy it with the biggest fanatics. And you could be part of this communal experience. Understand that. Don't ask the people who don't like something how to fix it. Figure out what's already working about it. And on that note, I'll just say this. Go to SullyBaseball.com, like me on Facebook, subscribe to iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram, I'm everywhere. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. Somehow connecting baseball to the Marvel Universe. This has been Sully Baseball, the 22nd day of February 2018. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.